Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1087, air date July 28, 2022. Good evening, everyone. It is 6 p.m. Hope everyone's doing well. We're going to have a conversation today um, where I'm going to share with you um, some very important uh, investigative reporting that came out of Science uh, magazine. And it's really about how the research over the last close to almost two decades in Alzheimer's research uh, was based on a paper. And that paper, written in 2006, which was cited nearly 2,300 times, and we'll talk about what a citation is, has had some very profound effects on really misdirecting uh, the Alzheimer's research. Uh, and this has been reported by science. And to U.S. taxpayers, it's cost a minimum of about a quarter of a billion dollars all the way up to several billion dollars. And what I want to share with you today is as we review this, let me bring this um title up. It's, it's, the title is How Alzheimer's Fake Science Academic Mafia. And by the way, they use the word amyloid mafia in the paper that's uh, crediting them in the science article, stole billions and what we must do. The, uh, the investigative journalist who uh, shared this research uh, doesn't give a solution, uh, which is what we're going to talk about. But um, let's wait for people to join and see how people are doing. Uh, Hello from Florida. Good to have you. Good evening. Great to have you. Uh, thank you, Dr. Shiva. Uh, wonderful. And I would uh, really suggest um, all of you who are interested in science and making sure there's fairness in science, um, share this uh, article that or share this um, uh, video that I'm going to do today. And um, I think it'll help a lot of you really understand what's going on. So before we start at a very high level, what you're going to learn today is how the system of quote unquote scientific research works. Um, most people do not understand how there is literally a quote unquote mafia uh, between uh, what, what articles make it out there, what don't. And then you're also gonna learn the motivating factor that drives this huge, huge um, drive to get papers published in science and who profits from that. So you're going to learn that because without that deep systems understanding, um, it's hard to recognize the science, the quote unquote, the science that we come out. What was really the momentum that drove a lot of that science? OK, what is the motivating factors that drive that science? And you're going to learn that, uh, which is really not known by the vast amount of public. So by the time someone says, oh, you know, you have to let's say, excuse me, take this vaccine, or you have to, you know, take this drug, or this is a reason that people get this disease and don't take that herb or don't do this, right? There's a whole uh, fundamental system which is controlling this scientific framework. And so we're going to learn that, okay? So let me, um, to those of you joining, uh, today's, uh, today's, uh, uh, um, video is going to be on how Alzheimer's fake science academia stole billions and what we have to do. So let me, as we go into this, let me uh, first of all invite everyone um, to go to vashiva.com so you can understand more about all the different things we do as a part of our truth, freedom, and health effort. And I also encourage all of you to go to truthfreedomhealth.com or vashiva.com slash join. They essentially go to the same site. And when you go to that site, you will learn more about our movement for truth, freedom, and health. It's a movement. It's an infrastructure. And I hope all of you take a little bit of time to go check it out because I think it'll give you a framework on how we can understand it. And it's really your movement. And all of the uh, videos we do, all of the research we do is supported by your contributions. And those of you, if you contribute 100 or more, you get access to all of these um, wonderful gifts. You don't have to, by the way, donate anything, but I just want to let you know about that. You get access to all these gifts and you can be on the Warrior Scholar program. 
Um, you get books, you get tools, and I'll come back to that. Um, those of you who want to um, sort of uh, contribute $25 or $99, you get all these other gifts. Again, we don't like to take anything for nothing. And those of you who don't want to give anything but just want to be part of the movement, you also get gifts anyway. So take advantage of that. It's really for you. This movement is really was created to support um, your advancement in learning the science of systems. And when you learn that science, um, all of you also get access to the course. But more importantly, you're going to understand the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. And we're going to learn that right now. Uh, in this Alzheimer's mafia that took place, anyone else who brought really alternative ideas, most of those things were shunned and frankly, in some ways censored because there was so much money in promoting one idea of why Alzheimer's was being caused. So the science suffered and people's health suffered. You'll realize that, you know, not one drug has really been effective against Alzheimer's in spite of the billions and billions that have gone into it from taxpayer funding because of this kind of fake science that has been taking place. And we'll get into that. All right. And by the way, um, every Thursdays at 11 a.m., we did an orientation today. It was really well attended. And at 8 p.m. tonight, uh, people have a chance to interact with me and other members of Truth, Freedom and Health. So if you want to sign up, just go to vhuv.com slash orientation and sign up. All right. So where does our story begin? Okay. So um, some of you have made and heard of a company, but most of you probably have not, uh, of a company. By the way, Ukraine and Russia isn't really that well reported. It's a little bit reported, but no one gets into the depths of it. Um, but the mainstream media doesn't really report on anything big anymore. They literally watch which way the wind blows and if they can sell advertising. Well, one of the companies, Cassava Sciences, is a pharmaceutical company. The way the story starts is that there were um, some activist investors who had filed a, a, a petition with the FDA concerned about the phase three trials that Cassava Science was doing for an Alzheimer's drug. So what is a phase three trial? As I've shared before, when a pharmaceutical company creates a drug, first they do testing in test tubes and animals. And then if that is quote unquote shows success, then they go on to test in humans. Now human testing takes on three different kinds of testing. One is called phase one, phase two, phase three. And the first two types of testing, phase one and phase two are small tests to really focus on safety phase three is really about efficacy. Does this drug work? Okay, so they had come up with a, a, a drug for Alzheimer's based on a certain theoretical framework of science. And Cassava had claimed, and, and Cassava was phase three trials. Well, two activist investors were concerned that Cassava's science was fraudulent. Okay, so what they did was they went to the FDA and they filed a, a petition. And this is their filing of the petition, which says requests that the FDA halt the current clinical studies of simufilam, almost sounds like flimflam, but that was the name of the drug, sponsored by Cassava Sciences, pending audits of, one, the publications relied on by Cassava in support of its scientific claims concerning Simufilam, two, the IND application for simufilam's use in Alzheimer's disease, and three, all clinical biomarker studies in simufilam's um, in Alzheimer's disease. So these activist investors, who also, by the way, were two neuroscientists, they were concerned this stuff wasn't going to work, it was going to harm people, and the study was going to have about 1,800 people, and they wrote to the FDA, okay? And uh, the FDA uh, basically didn't do anything. Okay, so that was in 2021. And in February of 2022, the FDA told these two neuroscientists who had filed this petition, oh, you know, you're doing it the wrong way. There's nothing really here. Uh, you, this is not the way to do it. Okay, so that petition gets buried. However, this is what happened. The law firm representing those two investors hired a very interesting scientist by the name of Matthew Schrag, okay? And Matthew Schrag is an MD, PhD over at Vanderbilt University. And he himself is a uh, researcher in memory and Alzheimer's. And he was hired, he was hired to 
be the expert. You see, whenever there's a lawsuit or a petition, something like this filed legally, what happens is typically attorneys go hire an expert. And the expert's job is to bring to the forefront an expert report to present to the court. So Schrag was hired by these two neuroscientists to present evidence that what Cassava was doing was really fraudulent. Okay, that was their claim. Okay. So Matthew Schrag, Schrag um, is an MD, PhD. He goes and he starts researching Cassava, this pharmaceutical company, which people were concerned, um, which these two activist investors were confirmed was doing essentially fraudulent science. But as I mentioned, during that research, the FDA basically said, oh, nothing to see, like the petition was filed in the wrong way, some procedural thing. They said this wasn't the right way to do it. However, what happens is Matthew Schrag, as he's digging through understanding Cassava's claim for their drug that it was going to be effective, where did they get the science for that? And he digs and digs and digs, and he comes across a paper written by um, a guy called, and we'll get to him, um, Lesne. And what the Lesne paper and here's the Lesney paper. And this was a landmark paper. So you can see the, the author was Sylvain Lesney. And by the way, this is, he's the main author. And the PI, by the way, in bio, biology papers, when you see this, this was typically um, the last, it's really not the last author. In biology, the person on the last is really the PI, okay? Who ran the research, so Karen Ash, Karen Zhao Hash um, was his really his boss. So Sylvain's boss was Karen Ash right here. OK, so this paper was published in March 16, 2006. All right. Um, someone says, I wish you'd be my PhD supervisor. Sure. <laughs> um, anyway, so this paper said a specific amyloid beta protein assembly in the brain impairs memory. So we'll get into the science of this. So with this paper in 2006 by Sylvain Lesne and Karen Ash was purporting that they had found a very specific amyloid beta protein assembly. And you'll, it's the thing that is involved in the assembly of the amyloid beta protein, which forms plaques. And that that was the key to impairing memory. You see, up until this paper, give you a little bit of history, there was a lot of research. Uh, and by the way, here's Sylvian uh, Lesne. There he is. And now he's still an associate professor at the University of Minnesota. By the way, this research, by the way, this paper was done at the University of Minnesota. Ash was an up and coming scientist. I don't think she had tenure yet. We'll talk about tenure. And Sylvain was a PhD student who just joined her lab as a postdoc. So this was a young guy. She, he, she was his boss, okay? Much older and much more experienced, okay? So this paper comes out. And the reason I bring this paper up, this was a landmark paper. When that paper came out in 2006, that, that literally directed the research of Alzheimer's for the next 16 years and minimum about a quarter of a billion dollars went into this angle of research and and indirectly billions went in okay billions of american payers tax dollars and this research was based on sylvain and ash's work lesney and ash's work claiming that they had discovered a particular protein assembly that actually impairs uh, a memory in the brain okay so why is this important well the reason this is important, and, and by the way, I'm sharing right now with you before I get into what is to be done, um, a, uh, author, uh, a investigative report at Science uh, is the one who put all this together. This just came out about a week ago. Now, what he says, and this is just a little bit of background on Alzheimer's, is the following. You see, one of the, the biggest mysteries and also the most distinctive feature that he brings up is that 
that uh, when people get Alzheimer's, when you open up people's brains, there are these things called plaques, P-L-A-K-U-S, okay? Um, and other protein deposits. And the reason it's called Alzheimer's, Aloe, Alos, Alois Alzheimer was the first who saw this in 1906 in the brain of deceased dementia patients. Now, in 1984, A-beta, A, capital A, beta, amyloid beta, was identified, a protein was identified as a main component of those plaques. So these plaques are made up of this protein called A-beta in 1984. So it's almost, that's 78 years later. And then about seven years later, 1991, researchers uh, traced that family-linked, so if it was genetic Alzheimer's mutations uh, in the gene for precursor protein from which amyloid derives, okay? So amyloid uh, derives from this other protein. So for many scientists, as he says, it seemed clear that A-beta buildup sets off a cascade of damage and dysfunction in neurons causing dementia. Stopping amyloid deposits became the most plausible therapeutic strategy. So let me just sort of unpack that. So you, so 1906, they find these plaques in people's brain. 1984, they find those plaques are composed of A beta. And then by, you know, the mid nineties, it was decided that the way you're going to solve Alzheimer, uh, Alzheimer's is stop the buildup of A beta. Okay. Got it. So think about, you have a wall. The wall is made up of bricks. These bricks are called A-beta, okay? And the goal was if we can stop the accumulation of A-beta, then you're going to stop um, uh, uh, stop, um, stop uh, Alzheimer's, okay? So lots and lots of cl clinical trials went into this, okay? And, but again, this was all just a theory. The theory was, that these plaque formation caused by A-beta lead to this. And as the science writer writes, he goes, hundreds of clinical trials of amyloid-targeted therapies yielded few glimmers of promise. It wasn't really working. Only the overwhelming adulam had gained FDA approval. So there was only one drug that came out out of all, these, uh, all this work. Yet A-beta still dominates research on drug development. NIH spent $1.6 billion on projects that mention amyloids in this fiscal year. So if you um, if you simply put amyloid and you were a researcher, you got funded, okay? About half of its overall Alzheimer's funding. So out of the $3.2 billion, uh, $3 billion, more than half of it went to the theory of A-beta. Scientists who advance other potential Alzheimer's causes, such as immune dysfunction or inflammation, complain they've been sidelined by the amyloid mafia. I call it the Alzheimer's academic mafia, but pretty close. So this is what was going on. So this one researcher for say it set says the amyloid hypothesis became the scientific equivalent of the Ptolemaic model of the solar system, which the sun and planets rotate around the earth. Remember, a lot of people said the sun rotates around the earth. So, so all of this research was um, based on amyloid. Okay. But people are finding only one drug came out of this and people were starting to question this. And by 2006, so between 1991 and 2006, a lot of money went into this. By 2006, this was on the centenary, the anniversary centenary of the discovery of the epic discovery of Alzheimer's, a growing cadre, he says, of skeptics wondered aloud whether the field needed a reset. Then a breathtaking nature paper entered the breach. So, so think about this. The hypothesis was amyloid deposits starting in 1984 are the reason that you get Alzheimer's. Okay. Okay. So write that down. Amyloid deposits, which lead to these plaques. So 1984, lots, billions of dollars research go into this, but guess what? They're not finding any drugs. None of them work. And it's just a hypothesis. So the field was in complete disarray by 2006, which was the anniversary of the discovery of Alzheimer's by Alois Alzheimer's. And then boom, in 2006, guess what happens? This paper comes out, okay? Paper which I shared earlier. This paper comes out and says, 
we have the discovery essentially of the century, which says we have discovered the way that a, uh, the amyloid protein assembly, there's something that comes before the amyloid protein. It's called an oligomer, O-L-I-G-O-M-E-R. It's like the things that the bricks are composed of the amyloid protein. They're the precursor. And we have proof that this actually impairs memory. And that was what this paper was. This paper was saying that they had found this very specific A-beta-56, and I'll get to that, very specific oligomer, which is part of the uh, uh, amyloid beta protein assembly, and they had injected this in mice, and they had shown cognitive decline. No one had ever shown that before, okay? So 2006 was an important year because this paper, and by the way, this is a very prestigious journal, Nature, okay? 2006, Lesne and Ash published this paper saying they had made the major breakthrough showing that they had found the precursor to the amyloid protein. They'd injected into mice, I think mice rats, and it showed cognitive decline when this protein came in. Okay, everyone following me? All right, good. So again, it's a lot of stuff to take in, but that's what occurred. Lesney was the guy who showed that. And when he published his paper, he submitted these things called Western blots. I'll do a whole session on Western blots, but Western blots is an imaging technique that's used in biology to show how much of a protein um, is present. And so this guy, Lesney, said that he had found the A-beta star 56 oligomer, and he presented this image, okay, right here. And he said, this band right here represented A-beta 56 bands, which showed that this protein, when it was put into mice, would cause cognitive decline. Guess what? Schrag discovered on an open website called PubPeer, People were already complaining about Lesney's previous images that he had loaded up there on other work. And he found, he tracked that and he found out there were the same similar problems with the images that he had used in that 2006 paper. Now remember, this is all occurring in 2021, 15 years later, because he was hired as an expert witness, okay? So in 2021, um, Schrag finds out that these images have been doctored. Let me explain that. He finds out these images likely, put the word likely, um, and the reason he, he, the pub peer guy showed that the images don't look real. They were Photoshopped, but you only conclusively shade if you had, prove it if you had the original images. But they clearly know that these images are not real based on the image artifacts, okay? And this has been confirmed multiple times now. So the paper that was submitted in 2006, and by the way, as I speak, you can notice that Nature has put this commentary just a week ago on the paper, which says, editors note, the editors of Nature have been alerted to concerns regarding some of the figures in this paper. Nature is investigating these concerns and a further editorial response will follow as soon as possible. In the meantime, readers advise to cause um, to use caution when using results reported here. Well, this is 2022. This paper was published in 2006, everyone. So it took Nature, the editor, 16 years. Okay? Meanwhile, that paper was cited 2,300 times, 2,300 times. And because of that paper, the this lab, I believe, got about $20 million dollars. Lesney started his own lab at the same university, got another probably five to seven million, and then quarter of a billion to uh, billions of dollars poured into the field because of this research. Okay, and we're going to talk about why that took place, why the delay. All right, so there you go. Now, the suspicions about this, uh, as the science article says, uh, were raised about Lesney's research, and independent image analysis took place. And they and all of these different institutions, they all concurred with uh, with this overall conclusion, which cast out on hundreds of images, including more than 70 in Lesney's papers. Some look like shockingly blatant examples of image tampering, says Donna Wilcock, an Alzheimer's expert at the University of Kentucky. 
The authors, quote unquote, appear to have composed figures by piecing together parts of photos from other experiments, Photoshopping, says Elizabeth Bilk, a molecular biologist and well-known forensic image consultant. Quote, the other experimental results might not have been the desired results and the data might have been changed to better fit a hypothesis. You see, they put forward this results. It's like you put forward the results and then you go make the data to fit the results. Okay, it's what, you know, bad students do in second or third grade. But this is occurring at a major university being published in a major journal called Nature. Just think about that. Okay. Someone said, this is very good. Tanya said, snake oil on our dime. You're the only doctor I trust. You are not in pharma's pocket. Um, all right. So, again, by the way, is I mean, just want to let everyone know, you know, it is our movement, Truth, Freedom, and Health, which is the only movement that does this as a public service because we interconnect science and the politics and the health issues. You're not going to get this anywhere else. And you can't do this on a, you know, stupid Joe Rogan podcast because Rogan will come out many years later or he'll watch which way the wind blows. You won't get this on Tucker Carlson. You only get this here from our movement. And this research and the stuff we do here is made possible with your support. And I want all of you guys to become parts of this movement because you'll understand when we take a systems approach, we can really get to the truth here. Okay. So, so that's what was taking place. Okay. Now, you have to understand that um, Karen Ash, who's a lead researcher, she knew in 2000 that uh, people were recognizing that there was these things called oligomers, toxic oligomers, which are subtypes of A-beta, as this article said, that dissolve in some bodily fluids, had gained currency as likely the chief culprit in Alzheimer's, potentially more pathogenic than insoluble plaques. Amyloid oligomers had been linked to impaired communication between neurons in vitro and, and in animals. Uh, but no one had proved, no one had proved that any one uh, of the many oligomers directly caused cognitive decline. Okay. So there was this theory swirling around in 2000, before 2006. Hey, there could be these things called oligomers. Remember, they're trying to keep this A beta thing alive, it's failing miserably. So they say, oh, these oligomers are the things that uh, directly cause cognitive decline, and they're a subtype of A-beta. Got it? So the A-beta stuff wasn't working, so they're saying, okay, something else is a subtype of A-beta, and they call these these toxic oligomers. So that, and they said that was another theory. So that was a theory that this guy, Sylvian Lesnay, was brought in from France. So he was a PhD student in France and he was brought in to the University of Minnesota by Ash, okay? I think Helen Ash, okay? And this guy is a one in the brains of Ash's transgenic mice. These are Ash, the, the main researcher. The UMN team discovered a previously unknown oligomer dubbed A-beta-56, pronounced amyloid beta star 56, after its relatively heavy molecular weight compared with other oligomers. The group isolated A-beta-56 and injected it into rats. The rat's capacity to recall simple previously learned information, such as the location of a hidden platform in a maze, plummeted. So basically, the, these guys claim they discovered this oligomer, which is a toxic oligomer, precursor to A-beta, and when they injected that into rats, it caused cognitive decline. And this was absolutely, you know, breakthrough, okay? And Ash and Sylvan took credit for it. In fact, on their website, as the science article says, Ash touted A-beta-56 on her website, this is the main researcher, as, quote, the first substance ever identified in brain tissue in Alzheimer's research that has been shown to cause memory impairment. Person like this wants to win the Nobel Prize, okay? An accompanying editorial nature called A-beta-56 a star suspect in Alzheimer's. ALZ Forum, a widely read online hub for the field, titled, uh, titled its coverage, A-beta star is born, okay? So think about, let me just take a quick break here to let you know what's going on. So 
the A beta field was going down. And suddenly in 2006, it gets this big, you know, resuscitation by the discovery of A beta 56 by Ash and Lesne. Ash, again, is a main researcher. She brings in this young postdoc or PhD guy to do all the hard work. And he's the one who faked the images as is coming out from the work of Schrag. Okay. In fact, no one else has been able to reproduce A beta 56, by the way, since 16 years. And the field just goes on. This is even more interesting. Okay. And in fact, Ash won this prestigious prize. And I call a lot of many of these prize insider prizes, by the way, you know, they're all one incestuous clan. Less than two weeks after the papers published, Ash won the prestigious Potemkin Prize for neuroscience, partly for the work leading to A beta 56. Now, here's the interesting thing. There are right now at Harvard, right now, particularly at Harvard, one of the leading Alzheimer's researchers, he's running around trying to rescue his own field because he was part of this stuff too. And his papers have been born into question. And he's saying, oh, this paper did not have a big impact. Nothing to see here. Let's move along. Okay. Well, that's not true. As a, as a science guy says, the nature, the science paper, the nature paper has been cited in 2,300 scholarly articles, more than all but four Alzheimer's basic research papers since 2000. This is the fifth most cited paper in Alzheimer's research. Since then, annual NIH support for studies labeled amyloid, oligomer, and Alzheimer's has risen from zero to 287 million in 2021. Lesne and Ash helped spark that explosive experts, uh, explosion experts say. So think about this. Ash and Lesne, two researchers at University of Minnesota, write this paper in 2006. It gets cited 2,300 times, which means other people say, oh, this is this research. This is this research. Refer to this. All the little amyloid mafia cite this paper, bolster the paper, and our tax dollars at $287 million, quarter of a billion dollars, get sent to all these other people if they put a research grant that said amyloid, oligomer, and Alzheimer's. So if you were one of these amyloid mafia academic researchers, and you write a paper saying, hey, give me some funding, and it had the words amyloid, oligomer, and Alzheimer's, you'd more than likely get funding. A quarter of a billion dollars went into this because of that paper. Well, guess what? No one has been able to replicate this research. And 16 years later, we find out that the, the paper was composed of fraudulent images. Okay? Now, as the science author says, the paper provided an important boost to the amyloid and toxic olig oligomer hypothesis, which was not working when they faced rising doubts, Sudoff says. So think about this. Up until that point, $1.6 billion went into the amyloid research. 1.6, which is more than half of all of the Alzheimer's research. You following me? And, and so if you're a researcher in Alzheimer's, you're like, shit, excuse my language. They're like, wow, our amyloid beta hypothesis ain't working out. And suddenly this research comes out by Ash in Minnesota and it's like resuscitates the whole industry. So all of these amyloid mafia people supported it. Everyone getting the picture? And Sudoff says proponents loved it, loved it because it seemed to be an independent validation of what they've been proposing for a long time. It basically gave a boost to the amyloid hypothesis. That was a really big finding that kind of turned the field on its head, partly because of Ash's impeccable imprimatur, Wilcox says, it drove a lot of other investigators to go looking for these heavier oligomer species. He became now, Lesne became a leader of UMN's neuroscience graduate program in 2020. And in May 2022, this is just very recently, four months after Schrag delivered his concerns to the NIH. So Schrag, who discovered these fake images, wrote a whistleblower report to the National Institute of Health and told the National Institute of Health. So four months after, okay? So in, what's four months? So it's around February, Schrag delivered his concerns, February, March, April, May. Schrag 
this whistleblower wrote to the NIH saying, look, this is all fake data. And even after that, this guy at the University of Minnesota gets rewarded in May of 2022. In fact, he gets a grant from the NIH, the coveted R01 grant for five years. I think it was up to five to $7 million. Now get this, guess who was a program officer who approved this grant? A guy called Austin Yang, who was a co-author on that 2006 paper, okay? So look at the inside racketeering here. Austin Yang was a co-author of the 2006 paper with Lesney and with Ash. Now he's over at the NIH, which is where the money is doled out. Our taxpayer dollars are doled out to these scientists. So Yang is over here at the NIH. He was formerly at the University of Minnesota writing this paper. He's over at the NIH. Lesney applies for a multi-million dollar grant. And guess who's a program officer gives him the grant? Yang, okay? And obviously he declined to comment. This is a racketeering, okay? And it gets even more interesting. People acknowledge so much of our field is not reproducible. So it's a huge advantage to understand when data streams might not be reliable, okay? So this is an important point. You do a piece of research and let's say I try to duplicate your research and I can't do it. Guess what? My paper will never get published, okay? My paper will never get published, all right? Why? So over here, a big wig at Harvard or University of Minnesota publishes fake research. I'm in a little state school and I publish research that's not able to duplicate his results. Because I'm not part of that mafia, they won't even publish my research. More interestingly, if you prove someone's research is not correct, the big journals don't like publishing that paper. You know why? They don't get hits. They don't get views. They don't get citations. Okay? So negative results, this is really screwed up, never get published. So fake science continues. So if you're a member of the fake science mafia and you publish research, your other colleagues are going to protect you. It's literally a mafia. Some guy says, hey, I can't replicate this research. He's thrown out. He's never published. He probably won't even get tenure. Okay? All right. Now, the reality is that many, many people were saying that they weren't able to uh, duplicate this research. In fact, as this shows, in the 16 years following the landmark paper, Lesnar and Ash separately or jointly published many articles on their Stella oligomer, yet only a handful of other groups have reported even detecting this. But many of this detection, it was found as also based on those false images, okay? Now, what's interesting is one of the professors who worked with Lesney in France, a guy called Vivian, said that when he worked in France, when he was a PhD student, he was doing image manipulation back then, and he, he retracted a paper. So this guy, Lesney, has been a fake scientist for a long time. He gets brought into University of Minnesota. Ash wants to make her name, win the Nobel Prize. She's the one who brought him in. And she's the one who made 27 million bucks to her own lab. And Lesney's bringing, made another 5 million. And the industry, the Alzheimer mafia, made of a quarter of a billion to probably $1.6 billion. Who paid for all that? You did. You paid for all of that research, your tax dollars. Now, now I'm going to get in to explaining to you why this occurs. The big point I want you to understand is no one in academia ever pays. They get all this research dollars. They build their nice homes in Cape Cod. They get their, uh, they go on their ski trips. They all hang out together because they're a bunch of incestuous dirtbags. Most of these people. That's why I do. That's why we do our own research. That's why we have our own movement. Because the bottom line is science is compromised. And think about what science is. And I just want you guys to think back. In the old days, there was the academic, the, the priesthood, they called it. The priesthood that said, no, 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 the sun goes around the earth. 
Galileo showed otherwise, and he was vilified for that, okay? The academic priesthood is the same priesthood. Let's say you find an amazing herb that only co that costs nothing, and you say, you know what? This can cure Alzheimer's or this can, or extra, whatever you find, okay? Well, if that's not going to make money and you try to publish a paper on it, you'll be called a snake oil salesman, you'll be called a fraud, and you'll be destroyed. But these kinds of people are allowed to prosper for 16 years. And you know what? Nothing will happen to them because every 10 years, some major academic fraud occurs and nothing happens to these guys. Okay, the university may kick them out, but the government never claws back and gets our money back. Where's the January 6th committee on this? So I'm doing this video today and I hope you share it widely to educate people. And this diagram will tell you and this is as an insider. This is how, so this is the racket that goes on. Okay, let me tell you the real racket now. This is a real racket. Take some notes, the real racket in science. Okay, you finish your PhD in brain research. Well, what's your next job? Your job is either to go to industry and start your own pharmaceutical company, your job may be to go into academia and try to become a professor. It is rare that people like myself don't participate in that and build a bottoms-up movement because guys like me should either be over here or here. But I chose not to do that because I understood the racketeering here. So you come out with your PhD and let's say you want to become a professor. This is what happens. In order to become a professor... A tenured professor. So you join initially as a low-level professor and you have seven years. Write this down. You have seven years to do research to get your tenure. What is tenure? What is tenure? Tenure means that after, once you get tenure at a university, you never have to do any work you get paid, you're a lifetime employee at that university, lifetime. You can just sit on your ass and do nothing and you will still get be paid money. It is like judges, it's like the judicial system. There's only two industries in the world where you can sit on your ass and never have to do any work, the judicial branch and the academic world. These are feudal systems, which means they go back to the medieval times. Academics are not even democratic, they're like, fiefdoms, okay, these guys are the actual priesthood, okay, so you get your, so seven years comes up, so think about now all of you, if you're listening carefully, you've done seven years, let's say you're an Alzheimer's researcher or a cancer researcher, now you get put before your university's committee, tenure committee, they're going to decide if we're going to give you tenure, okay, and how do they decide if they're going to give you tenure? They look at your research. Well, what do they do? They look at what papers you've published. Okay, you publish a lot of papers. That's only one step. The second step is have your papers been referenced by other people? Okay, if your papers have been referenced by other people, that means you're having an impact in the field. So if you wrote one paper, or let's say you wrote 100 papers and no one else referenced it, you get a big zero. But if you wrote one paper and 10,000 other people referenced your paper, that means if you're playing fair, wow, that's a pretty big paper. Like Einstein wrote the theory of relativity, got referenced by everyone, okay? But what happens in this racketeering is you publish a paper, and this is what happens. You're really trained to go kiss ass to all the other people, do all sorts of actual kissing ass to, you know, uh, figuratively and literally. The stories I could tell you, okay? Um, and, and this incestuous, you become part of the mafia, but if you don't choose to play, and there are people, by the way, a few of people who don't play have great respect and, and they still have tenure. But this game, by and large, is for the people who kiss ass. So, or you fake science. 
So you publish a paper, and in this case, this was referenced 2,300 times. Ash gets tenure. Lesney probably got tenure. I have to look that up. 2,300 citations. And you saved the field. So all your other researchers, who you also reference, and they reference you, there's all this referencing going on back and forth because everyone's kissing each other's ass. And I hate to use that word, but that is what it is. It's uh, Academia is one of the biggest ass-kissing environments. And that's why academics are so quick when real research comes from the outside, not in their realm, they want to attack it like the invention of email. Look, I invented email before I came to MIT and I never spoke about it when it went into the Smithsonian to created this huge hullabaloo because it wasn't created by their mafia. We can talk, we'll do a whole story on that. But I've been before MIT, I've invented things and after. So I can see these two worlds, but this existing academic mafia doesn't want knowledge or new science or new innovation coming from outside. That's why they go call that stuff snake oil and they attack everyone else. But they are a mafia. And how are they a mafia? This is how they're exactly wicked nepotism. Amelia, you nailed it. And this is how that nepotism works. Okay. So you become an editor of a journal. So you're sitting here. You're also the head of the department or the head of some group, like a head of a lab like Ash. And you also sit at the NIH. Who's the NIH? NIH is the National Institute of Health. And so they have a billion dollars and they're going to fund research. Well, how do they decide to fund research? So you're a researcher like Ash or Lesney or somebody else. So you have a pile of money. They're going to fund you. Well, who makes that decision? Guess who sits on the NIH study groups? The same people who are the heads of departments are the same people sitting on the NIH study groups. Well, these same people are also the heads of the big journals. Government is sitting here watching all this and never does anything. So the NIH study group gives funding, 70, 80% of the funding goes to the heads of departments of the major universities. And these heads of departments are also the journal editors, by and large, if you look at it, okay? So it's one incestuous freak show. It's a mafia. So the Alzheimer's people who are deciding where the money goes are the same people or heads of the departments that also receive the money. Okay. Want to thank Suresh um, for his donation. Thank you very much, Suresh. It'll go to our movement. Suresh says, it's high time we support ourselves by building up a bottoms up movement, truth, freedom, and health for ourselves, our family, our community. Are you ready to fight for you? Wake up. Yep. Thanks, Suresh. So, we want you to wake up because no one has taught you this. Only our movement will teach you this racketeering in science. So all these people who are getting the journals published so they get tenure are the same people who are heads of the departments, are the same people sitting on the NIH study groups by and large. Not in all cases, but by and large, okay? More than 50% of the cases if you go analyze this. So it's one big racket. And by the way, when I met with Trump, I told him, he goes, oh, I wish I'd known this before. The presidents either are stupid or they know about this or they're part of the incestuous behavior. So what is to be done? That was the other thing I want to do. What is to be done? Well, I would say the first thing that needs to be done is that money that all of these researchers got should be paid back. They should sell their summer homes. They should go bankrupt. They should pay. What is different between these guys and a poor guy who goes and steals some bread? What is the difference? And go look at the history of the science. Frauds occur and nothing happens to these guys. Nothing happens to them. No criminal charges are filed. Nothing happens to them. And this is why science moves so slow because you have the collusion of big pharma, big academia, big science, big government, one big incestuous cesspool. And by the way, they're all friends with big Hollywood. Many of these people are what I call star fuckers. Excuse the term. That's what they are. Big academia, the system of big academia is this that you're seeing here. So why, what is the, why does this occur? Well, it goes back to tenure. You're a professor. You got seven years to get tenure. You got seven years to get tenure and then you don't have to work ever again. You get a paycheck. You never have to work again. The tenure system must be eliminated. Any federally funded universities, tenure must be gone. We must end the tenure system. It's an old medieval system. Just like we must end 
you know, judgeships and Supreme Court tenures, too. They're the two institutions in the world right now which are from feudal times. They're undemocratic, completely corrupt systems. And look at this corruption, this collusion. And these are the people that create fake science and they make sure that the fake science is protected. And that fake science results in fake medicines, which results in destroying people's health. This is the reality. So if you peel away all the layers, peel away the layer of big pharma, you'll come to big academia. Big pharma cannot exist without the fake science, ladies and gentlemen. It can't. So I'll do a follow-up on this tomorrow. I have to go to our 7 p.m. Truth, Freedom, and Health talk. And I can't overemphasize to all of you listening, you guys have to become Truth, Freedom, and Health warrior scholars. You have to contribute to our movement. You can give $1. You can give $20. You can give nothing. But become a part of it. Give your time. Share these videos. Because when you go to truthfreedomandhealth.com, go listen to the video, and you will realize that you can give whatever you want. Truthfreedomandhealth.com, contribute. But when you contribute, we give you gifts so you can learn more. It's not about taking. It's always about giving. Giving, giving, giving. That's what our movement does. It gives to you the knowledge of systems. If you want to, and you get to take the system science course, you get to be part of this community. You can just support us but we need to build our movement or just become a member. Don't give us anything, but we need to build our movement. We need to show how the attack on freedom hurts science, how that hurts truth, how that hurts your health. I have to go to our, I'm going to be jumping on to this right now uh, at 8 PM tonight. We'll have our orientation where we teach people the importance of building a bottoms up movement. That's what we need to do. We need to build a bottoms-up movement for truth, freedom, and health. And before I go, I'm going to play you our anthem video, and I'll be back to wrap up. But let me play this. We have allowed our country to be taken over from within, and the end goal is you will have a homogenized world where we will become slaves because there is a condition among the elites that really thinks they're better than you, deep down inside them, that you don't deserve the freedoms you have. They don't. This reality is what people need to wake up to. And we need to all unite working people. There's only one movement that can do that. Mm -hmm. And that is the movement that we started creating here in Massachusetts, the movement for truth, freedom and health. Look, I've been a student of politics since I was a four-year-old kid, studying revolutionary movements, left wing, right wing. There's a physics, there's a nuclear science to destroying the establishment. To build a bridge, you need to understand Newton's equation. You need to understand the laws of gravity. You need to understand Poisson's ratio. There is a way to build a revolution. And that's why I put this together. My goal is to train a army of truth, freedom, and health leaders. We don't need followers like social media. We need leaders, but they, they need training because the educational system does not teach them history, nothing. So in three hours, that's what I've started doing. That's the solution. Wow. We gotta train people. First with understanding what a system is. The second is understanding the interconnection between truth, freedom, and health. Freedom is the ability to move freely, communicate freely, right? Talk freely. Without freedom, you cannot convert ideas, hypothesis into truth, which is science. And without freedom, you can't really get to truth. And without truth, you make up fake problems and fake solutions, which means you destroy our health. And without health, which is the infrastructure of us and our body, you can't fight for freedom. Third concept is it has to be bottoms up, working people, people who work uniting. And what the right wing has done is whenever you say working people unite, that must be communist. Meanwhile, they've let the Democrats run unions, which suppress workers, completely corrupt. But when you look at the arc of American history, it's been when working people came up. We need to go local. Every solution I'm coming up with as a part of this movement, we're giving the science, which is the truth, and then we tell people what they can do on the ground. Like with election fraud, you don't need to wait for some lawyer. Our goal is to train people, Dave, to go local, to go local, to go local, fight locally. Forget lawyers, forget politicians, Forget celebrities, you got to learn politics. And there is a science to it. They lock us down, we should be ready to shut them down. And the fourth part of this principle is a not so obvious establishment. So when you look at a system, there's always something that disturbs you from getting to your goal. Well, the biggest disturbance is a not so obvious establishment. 
which is those people who claim they're for you, on the left and the right, the Al Sharptons who tell black people I'm for you, the Tucker Carlsons. Do you think any true anti-establishment person will ever be on Fox or CNN? I don't think so. They both mislead working people back into the establishment. Without this solid understanding of political physics and theory, you're screwed. You're going to follow on the, the left wing, Bernie Sanders. Oh, he said something. Or Robert Kennedy. Scumbags. Or you're going to follow, you know, some right wing talk show host. They're not going to lead us to liberation. It's us. And that political physics, it's a nuclear science of change. Bottoms up. We have to organize to understand that there is people who talk a good game and then look at what they actually do, left and right. I'm sorry, Sean Hannity may say some good things, but I don't see the urgency in his voice to get something done. And it can only come when you weaponize yourself with the right knowledge. You need to be able to identify a rat. You know, Christ didn't go after the Romans, right? It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who screwed him up. His own quote unquote people. And that's where we're at. So these four concepts I've built into a curriculum. People can go to vashiva.com and it's an educational program. We need to train people in political theory. You need to have physics. And I've created that curriculum. People need to get educated. We need to get educated fast. And within a half an hour, an hour, I can teach people. Two years of MIT control systems, I teach people those concepts. Then I apply it, anyone can understand it. And then you say, oh, I gotta build a bottoms up movement. They have to get politically astute, and then they have to go locally and act, not sit there on social media. They have to act locally, defy locally, be, do civil obedience locally, but with knowledge on how to build a movement. And the Senate campaign's expanded to the movement for truth, freedom, and health, and they can find it on Vias and Victor A. Shiva, vashiva.com, so people can sign in, they can get access to a bunch of videos. If they wanna take a course and become a truth, freedom, and health leader, I offer a full scholarship there. But we want people to make a commitment that they'll study, that they'll get certified, that they'll go do activities on the ground. So go to VA Shiva, Victory America Shiva, VAShiva.com. So anyway, I encourage all of you to come to our orientation that we do. Um, 11 a.m., uh, which we had earlier this morning, or 8 p.m., just go to vashiva.com slash orientation and sign up. Look, our movement really, as we just did with this Alzheimer's thing, one is what the science reporter shared, but we have shared with you what most people do not know, which won't be unfortunately talked about in the media, is this racketeering enterprise of the relation between the journal editors, the heads of departments, and the NIH. Basically, the fox and the hen house in all places. The same guy who's here is here and here. So all their papers get published, all their research gets funded, and they're running their department so they get their own funding. So you saw here, or it's their friends, you know, one degree of freedom away. In this case, Yang is, is over here. He, he was a funding officer at the government. He funded his Lesne, who he was an author with over here, okay? So it's all one big incestuous shithole, okay? And I have to use some of these unfortunate terms because it's the best way to describe it because we have given way too much respect to this incestuousness. So I've thought about what you guys think about this, putting up a petition. We'll put it up on our website shortly that, and we're going to basically I'll frame it on what is to be done. We need to end tenure. These people need to pay back their money, but is it because they're academics that they get they get a higher caste system. Look, I grew up in India, which had the caste system. They had the Brahmins. Well, now we have the professors or the judges. Particularly, we're talking about professors here. Very few. I, I, don't, I know very little professors who get brought up in front of a criminal committee and have to pay back all their money, claw back their money. That's what needs to be done. So we will follow up with this tomorrow. Maybe we'll even do a roundtable on this. But we as a movement need to provide the leadership, which we will, to really solve this incestuous behavior among these academics. So keep an eye out for that. I have to head out to our, um, to our orientation. But I welcome all of you in closing to be a part of this movement. You can be a part by uh, going right to truthfreedomhealth.com. You can contribute. When you contribute, we give you many gifts. 
warrior gifts, supporter gifts, or you don't have to give anything. Just go here and become a member. If you want to contribute, you just click this link here. And your contributions, you can give $1, you can give no dollars. But when you give support, we give you knowledge and further education, gifts and books and et cetera, okay? So we're better than public broadcasting in that sense, okay? Um, we give you knowledge that's independent of big academia, big science. So anyway, I hope all of you uh, show up at the orientation. I hope you guys support. What, what, this is your movement, so support it for your own advancement. Thank you, everyone. Be well. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you.